2: Wounded Warrior Project is working to foster the most successful generation of veterans in our nation's history. One of the ways they do that is through adaptive sports. Veterans are some of the most resilient people on the planet. It's not about what you can't do after experiencing injury or illness. It's about tapping into what you can do. Learn more about how Wounded Warrior Project's adaptive sports programs are changing lives at www.woundedwarriorproject.org.
1: This show is brought to you by K Jewelers. Listen up, NFL fans. K just dropped a collection of officially licensed NFL jewelry. Shop your favorite team in the True Fans Fine Jewelry Collection at k.com slash truefans. Gear up for the season and celebrate the love of the
0: game with K.
2: is up Bills Mafia the Nerd Mafia welcome into another episode of the Buffalo Nerd this makes 20 so this is actually uh, Mr. Derek Brown is joining me today I'm spilling the beans a little earlier than I normally would just because he's making 20 and I know 20 doesn't seem like the greatest of things all the time right but in this space 20 is pretty good so I'm pretty excited about it and I'm super excited that I get to chat with somebody that's a lot of fun if you actually listen to him and you watch him he's a blast Um, he's a who dat guy so we're going to get into the Saints a little bit Um, we've really been wandering around the league I've been having a lot of fun doing that and Derek's also a fantasy guy so we got Derek Brown uh, he's from the Fade the Noise Network he does the Fade the Chalk podcast which is really awesome so Derek before I chat up too much about you why don't you go ahead and take the floor welcome in sir tell everybody a little (laughs) bit about yourself. Hey
1: thanks for having me Cole this is going to be fun man Um, I almost feel a little bit disingenuous like you should have got the other half of Fade the Chalk. Um, Adam Pfeiffer is my co-host over there and he is obsessed with the Bills it's Bills 24-7 I mean he finds a way to work it into every single show, but this is going to be a blast, man. Uh, Thank you again for having me. Yeah, you can find all of my work spread across FTN, whether it's FTN Fantasy, FTN Daily, FTN Bets. Um, I, I mean, I'm working on a ton of stuff right now, whether it's Dynasty, Best Ball, Redraft, um... Some strategy pieces, and then of course the podcast is four to five times a week and stuff. So it's it's good times, man. This is this is the buildup. This is the buildup before grind season,
2: and we really just dive straight back into the deep end. So loving every minute of it. Yeah, dude, I what you guys are doing also. I mean, the yeah, FTN network is huge, right? Like you just named them off. It's a bunch of different levels of the network, mm-hmm. right? So you're super busy, you're doing a ton of stuff. What I gathered for most of that is you might know a little bit about football. And so it's good that we got you on <laughs> tiny here. Just just tiny a tiny bit. Just a tiny bit. So it's very cool. I'm super excited to chat with you because the other thing that's really awesome about getting to chat with guys like you is you chat with dudes way cooler than me a lot of the time. And they know way more about football than I do. You know, the Brad Evans is of the world and that, you know, guys that are part of your network. So you're getting to to spit football with some of the coolest guys out there, like learning a ton. So it's cool for me to get that same opportunity to chat with guys who – are really in it. We chatted a little in the background about this eliminator that we're, we're both in that you're putting on as part of the, the Scott Bowl, uh, you know, FCS eliminators and everything, FCE eliminators, excuse me. So it's very cool. But before we really dive into all the football stuff, we always like to start the show off with a little bit of charity, right? That's kind of uh, what we like to highlight here. So every week the guest gets to choose the charity. Uh, this week, Derek chose St. Baldrick's Children's Hospital, I believe is what we're going to be chatting about. And so, Derek, why don't you go ahead and just kind of like tell me a little bit about why you chose them and, you know, what led you to them?
1: Yeah. So St. Baldrick's is uh, a foundation. It's basically the premise of it is that it was it's a foundation that gives money to different institutions, whether it's hospitals. um, They actually they 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 sponsor grants, all kinds of stuff. And the the goal of all of this is to further pediatric cancer research and stuff. So for everybody that's that's heard me talk about football, has heard my insanity and my rants and raves and all types of things like that, what you might not know about me is that before I got into doing fantasy and football and all those kinds of things full time, um, I, I was actually a pediatric cancer nurse. So I worked for St. Jude for 12 plus years, did that. And I actually hosted one of these events. So if you go to Baldricks.org right now, you can sign up and you can host your own event in your own town. And basically the idea of it is they will send you everything, 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 everything like banners, cups, shirts, all kinds of different stuff for you to sell at said event. And the idea is to raise money by shaving your head for cancer research. So we put on one of these things, um, when I lived in Louisiana, this was probably about, um, let's say about seven, eight years ago. And we raised over $10,000 putting on this event at a local restaurant. And we had tons and tons of people. I think we had over a hundred people show up. And basically it's almost kind of like a Relay for Life kind of thing. Like basically you, so they have an entire website network, you sign up and stuff like that. People can go on there and they can, donate to your cause for you to shave your head. So basically, you're not only raising money by the hosting the event, which they send you everything you need, you you also have individuals that are going to be doing this and shaving their heads at the event, and they are also entail raising money as well, dude. It's absolutely amazing. I actually worked, when I was working as a nurse, worked for different institutions, ran different programs. Um, I was in uh, a research position as well for a short time that actually had one of the grants from St. Baldrick's to fund my actual position. So I've been on both sides of the coin. I've hosted and I've been a part of it. Um, I've worked in the trenches and stuff like that. So it's something very near and dear to my heart. I would encourage everybody um, to go and just check it out, donate, um, host an event. I mean, like they had one of these, when. I so I lived in Louisiana before I moved over to Texas and stuff. In New Orleans for, I want to say it was like 10, 15 years running, and it's still running yearly right now. One of the Irish pubs down there, they host an event every single year and raise a ton of money. So it's it's a wonderful foundation, wonderful cause. I can't say enough good things
2: about them. Yeah. I mean, that's super exciting. <clears throat> they obviously show all that stuff on the website and everything like that. And they do a ton of stuff and they promote it to everybody else. Like they're taking money and they're putting in all sorts of different avenues. Right. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's research. It's to local communities that need help at the time, you know, they're doing all sorts of different things. So it is one of those types of like foundations that you can feel like if you don't necessarily, like, if it's not, you're not sure that why you're necessarily donating for that specific cause or like cancer is maybe not like, you know, Children having cancer isn't really the cause for you. There's other portions of it that your money is going to all sorts of different things, whether it's just helping other people locally, time, money. You know, you can actually donate your time to them. The, the big events is obviously the big, huge thing for them, right, which is very cool. Obviously, football fans and fantasy guys are all about camaraderie and things like that. So I think if you reached out to a bunch of your buddies, you'd find a bunch of people in your local community that would be all about shaving off some hair to raise some money, right? I mean, it's, Well, I'm going to take this a
1: step further, too. Yeah.
2: My, my DMs are open on Twitter.
1: If anybody listens to this podcast and you decide you want to take part in this, you want to donate, you want to host your own event, you have any questions, reach out to me. I I want to sit here and try to further this as much as I possibly can. And if that's what it takes to get somebody in the door to do something like this, to even donate $5, to even host an event, fine, hit me up. I will walk you through every single thing that I did
2: awesome love it so and of course like we always do we're always going to have everything in the show notes so you guys can directly click over there and get where you need to be whether it's going to be to donate or find out about hosting an event or just hitting up derek now if you need some more information i mean this this to me is like the the coolest thing because you you hear about these things right and you hear about different things happening but then when you actually get somebody that's personally done it and they've had an experience with it right and they can really talk to you about what it felt like to do it and how cool it is and for those of you're going to watch this you can see derek doesn't really have much hair right now so no no, no, no. He, he can I shave my beard, okay? Yeah, you can donate do beard this- hair as well, right? That's what I was gonna say. It doesn't mean if you're bald, you can still help out, right? Because you got a beard, you got other ways to go about doing it. It's hair, right? It's just it's yep. the concept of coming together for the cause, and it's just centered around shaving your head or, or shaving your beard and giving up, you know, giving up that hair. Which I think all of us can realize that. I mean, obviously, I can't grow a beard, so mine's gonna have to come off top, <laughs> right? But. It's going to come back. Right. So the last time that we did one of
1: these, um, we actually did it. My entire family did it. So my wife shaved her head. I shaved my face and stuff like that. My kids actually shaved their heads, too, and stuff like that. And this was no coercion like they they wanted to. You know, like they actually I think one of my 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 son actually had a classmate who was going through cancer treatment at the time. And he was like, no, I I want to do this. I was like, look, no pressure. You don't have to do this. It's all good. But if you want to,
2: I'll support you all the way, man. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I It's the same for me. I mean, that's the other reason I like these things is I personally in the fifth grade, we had a a friend of ours and I grew up in a small community, right, that was going through cancer. Right. So this is this is stuff that hits you at a young age. Right. And this Mm -hmm. is mostly meant to help out young kids. Right. I mean, that's what they're doing, the research thing. So it's I think it's a, a good thing for kids to see you know, that same level that, hey, not everybody gets the same play in life, right? There's different ways that we're all going to walk through this journey, right? So it's kid, it's mm-hmm. cool for young kids to understand that and see that, you know, my son has cerebral palsy, so he's going through life with a different version of life, right? So he mm-hmm. he sees things differently. So it's cool that your son's down for that. Uh, it's nice to know that there's young kids out there, right, that are, can understand the concept that we haven't lost it all, that we can still just be good people deep down inside, right? And, and just help each other out when it comes down to it. So all that stuff will be in the show notes. Obviously Derek's now challenging you to hit him up if you got questions. So make sure you do that. You know, let's spit this out to as many people as we can. If you can't do an event or you can't do, you can't donate, at least spread it to somebody that might, you know, that's, that's all we can ask too. So very cool. Thank you for the personal stuff too, Derek. I mean, that really, you know, it ties it together when people really put a personal touch on things, I think for, you know, just, I think feel people just generally feel better about it, right. When they can, they, they see somebody else and they can feel the experience and it it makes you want to be part of it that much more. Right.
1: Yeah. I mean, whether it's foundation, whether it's fantasy and stuff like that, I'm not going to sit here and spend any knowledge on things that I don't know about, or I haven't personally experienced or that I'm investing in. You can cross apply that to football, to fantasy, to whatever the hell else. If I'm talking about it, it's because I'm passionate about it and that, that you can apply that however you want to.
2: Excellent. So, should we chat about your team now? Yeah, I mean, you are who you are who that yeah. nation, right? So I got you a little fired up. Now we got the passion levels up. So now let's kick it over to who Dat, because I love this question personally. And I've, I've actually been able to uh, have a couple guys on recently that it actually plays effect to is I come from a franchise that searched for years for a quarterback. <laughs> so I like to ask this question to the guys who have went years with having a franchise quarterback, how they feel. Right now, not really knowing what life's going to be like without that franchise quarterback. So where does Derek stand right now? Um, I, I've read your recent article. We're going to get into that. So we are going to okay. talk Jameis and, t- and the Hill situation a little deeper. But how are you feeling right now?
1: I mean, honestly, it, look, I, I know is this moment has been coming for the last two to three years. I mean, I, I've been talking about it every year, like when Drew Brees, um, when when they got knocked out of the playoffs, like basically he's been on the fence for years. And you know, it's coming. It's still not a great thing. Like he's legit one of my favorite NFL football players ever um, off the field stuff, notwithstanding, like he has done so much for the state of Louisiana and was such a beacon of light whenever he came there. I mean, it was, it's, it was inspiring and stuff uh, talking about it, especially like uh, the other things off the field that he's done with Steve Gleason's foundation. If people are not aware, again, um, it, no white flags is amazing. Um Drew, had, like not having Drew Brees in a Saints uniform is going to be extremely weird this year. Um, but again, like it's kind of one of the, it's been the slow letdown because been seeing it coming for the last two to three seasons. And honestly, it was so sad to kind of watch the end of his career, watch the playoffs right there, like because he was a shell of himself. And it basically like the, they were so limited in what they could do in the offense, how they were going to play in the playoffs. I mean, you could just tell everything was totally limited because the guy was basically... He wasn't really healthy enough to play, but he was out there gutting it through. So... I've prepared myself. Um, I've shed a few tears. I've gone through all of that agony, and uh, I'm still here. I'm on the other side of a man. And and in Sean Payton, I trust. So,
2: right, so that that's kind of what I was figuring too. Is I feel like as as a Saints fan, and and now as a Bills fan, who's getting kind of get that same experience with Sean McDermott, it, it feels like you can put trust in the coach. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I know the the two names that are are your quarterbacks now are like. They're they're opposite spectrums, really, because mm-hmm. one is perceived as a quarterback, the other one is a gadget guy, right? I mean, if you if you ask most people, right, that's yeah. what that's what they've chosen to call these two guys, right? So it feels very very weird to be like, yeah, Taysom t- 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 Hill might be your quarterback this year, and they're like they're going to have a gadget guy be the quarterback all season, but like where I I've read your article, so I I, mm-hmm. I personally know a little bit more about where you feel. But why don't you kind of tell me where you stand? Who's your guy right now?
1: So yeah, if you head over to FTN Fantasy, um, I went through all of this, and before the the Jameis Winston Hive comes at me with this, um, when they're listening to this, um, this is not an anti-Jameis article, this is not a Jameis hate article, this is nothing of that nature. So I, I went through basically the last like seven or eight seasons, I think it was all the way back to 2014, Um, looking at how Sean Payton's offenses have run, looking at depth of target and how often his quarterbacks have thrown that deep, because I wanted to get some of the noise out of the sample of like Drew Brees and his arm just being cooked. And so going all the way back and seeing this is an offense that's roughly, um, if you look back, has operated like 65% of their passing plays have been within nine yards of the line of scrimmage. And so taking that knowledge and looking at, okay, so, who is better in these short and intermediary like spots on the field, and how does that look? With okay, who is going to be the quarterback for this year? And looking back in Jameis Winston's career all the way to 2015, you could see there are there's a few outlier seasons where he was really good as a short passer. Uh, his accuracy in the inter- intermediate parts of the field was good. There's also a lot of that sample where he was not good. And that's also going back farther than 2019 because I know the Bruce Arians offense averaged at the target. He was going to be throwing deep. So again, I didn't want people to be like, Oh, well, you're just pigeonholing like one season of when he didn't, he was asked to do different things. No, this is the entirety of James's career. And, Basically, the big takeaway from that is in a small sample, and I went all the way back to Taysom Hill. I did the same thing with Taysom Hill during his limited time as a starter for the Saints, and I went all the way back to his last season at BYU and looked how accurate he was in the short areas of the field. If Sean Payton wants to run the Saints offense like it's been run ever since he's been with the Saints, Taysom Hill is going to be the starter. That's why I think that now we could throw an extra wrinkle into this cold, like that. I think Taysom Hill was the starter last year over Jameis because if they thought there was any kind of inkling that Drew Brees could come back, there was no reason to change up the offense only to change it back. Whenever Brees came back for the stretch run, possibly. So people could say, okay, well, That's why I think Taysom started over Winston last year. Now, if Peyton wants to change up the offense and he wants to incorporate more deep shots and, and really open this up, then yes, I think Jameis Winston could be the starter. But I don't think that Sean Payton wants to do that after so many years. And the other thing about it is we don't have, they didn't add extra pass catchers to be able to stretch the field. They actually downsized like this target competition. Like it got more consolidated, man. Like you have Kamara, you have Michael Thomas, and now you have Traquan Smith and Adam Troutman. What out of any of that screams, okay, we're going to air the ball out now. That that's, that that's not the way that I think they're going to use this offense. I think that Taysom Hill is going to provide enough wrinkles with his legs, his mobility. And if you look at the numbers, he's a better short area passer than Jameis Winston based off the numbers. And so that's who I'm leaning with, and nobody wants to hear it. Nobody that believes in Jameis Winston, nobody that's played him in fantasy, wants to hear that Taysom Hill could be an actually better quarterback in, in what they're going to ask him to do in the Saints' offense than Jameis Winston. And they sure as hell don't want to hear that Taysom Hill could be the starter. But I think he, he'll be fine as a starter, and I, and I'm still, I, I'm still investing in all these weapons for fantasy. Like, I don't think that it's going to be a bad thing. I really, really don't.
2: Yeah, I mean, I so for me, as a, that's why I like having the guys that actually cover, like, pay attention to the team, right? Because me looking on the outside, you think about that and you say to yourself, "Yeah, Taysom Hill is not the guy," right? You go and you read this article and you actually do look at it from that concept and you look at the numbers. You see that he's actually a better short passer because I think most people generally think that the Saints were successful because they had this big passing attack. Yes, they had a big passing attack. That doesn't mean they threw the ball. Deep down the field it just means Mm -hmm. that They use the passing game and They were successful at it but you do see that they Have a lot of short intermediate stuff is what They like to run I mean Michael Thomas doesn't Win a lot of stuff deep he he catches the ball and he beats you right it's it's what they like to do it's similar to the chiefs they want to get the ball in the play play man's hands quick and then you let him do his thing so I was a little stunned looking at the numbers like I knew Jameis kind of was like actually some of his numbers were a little better than I was anticipating they might be but yeah he's got some good years sprinkled in there like that yeah, that's there why was like people comment on it and they're like ah oh, this is just an anti-Jameis uh,
1: article and I was like No, you could twist it like that. That is not what this is. Now, if Jameis is performing lower than what you thought he was with preconceived notions walking into reading this article, that's fine, but I'm not presenting it like Jameis sucks. I never once said that in that article at all. So Jameis Winston Hive needs to stop buzzing at me. (laughs) I don't dislike the man.
2: I just think that he offers a different skill set, and I don't think John Payton wants to access that skill (laughs) set. Right, conceptually, for what you're anticipating to happen this season, he's the the short passer is the guy. So if there's a guy that can throw the ball that much better, and you can see it in there, I mean, Jameson does have a couple seasons where he did okay with it. Mm-hmm. Intermediate, he's still pretty bad all across the board. He did okay a couple seasons with the short stuff, but intermediate, he's still pretty he's pretty bad in that area. So I, when I started reading it, it made sense to me. And then you throw in the aspect of the legs, but this all drives through the man in the backfield realistically anyways. Right. I mean, Mm -hmm. everybody acts like it's still not going to be the Elvin Kamara show. Every time he wants the ball, he's going to get the ball. Right. You kind of just hit on it a little bit. (laughs) So that was going to be my next question to you was now that we say, Hey, this is either Jameis or it is Hill. Do we see a drop off from what Kamara is going to do typically, or do you anticipate a drop off from Thomas, the big guys it, that people would normally attack in this, you know, for fantasy on this team? Do you anticipate a fall, or do you think that it's just going to be kind of the same thing as usual? Because we're not going to change. Gonna be fine. I think they're
1: going to be fine. I honestly think they are going to be perfectly fine. Um, you look at it and people will want to throw out like, okay, well, Alvin Kamara didn't get targets whenever Taysom Hill was there. There's also some different dynamics of this Saints offense and this Saints team as a whole that are far, far different than last year. When the Saints were in basically salary cap hell, they decided to sit here and gut the defense. You lost Sheldon Rankins. You lost Janoris Jenkins. There are certain parts and pieces and Trey Hedrickson that didn't bring him back. So this defense is going to be downgraded. Now in that short span where Taysom Hill was the starter... The Eagles game was the only one they were trailing, and Alvin Kamara got fed targets, and he was perfectly fine. He was a top 10 running back in two of those four weeks with Hill under center. Is Kamara going to suffer some of the... Touchdown equity loss with Hill under center for a full season, possibly. Yes. Is that going to bump him out of being an RB1? No. Because I think that this offense, they're going to still pass the ball because they're going to have to. This defense is not going to keep them in positive game scripts as much as they enjoyed last year, and especially small sample size with Taysom Hill as the quarterback. I'm not worried about Kamara. He is going to be – he is currently – if you head over to FT FTN Fantasy, I have him – comfortably inside the top 10 in my rankings. He will stay there. He is not moving. This is still a top five offensive line. Michael Thomas will be perfectly fine, even with Taysom under center. With Taysom under center last year, the only thing he didn't do was score touchdowns. (laughs) He had a 33% target share. You can name on one hand how many wide receivers in the NFL had over a 30% target share last year. Michael Thomas is going to get fed the ball, and we talked about this previously. This Saints passing attack lost weapons. Without Jared Cook, without Manny Sanders, yes, do I think that Trequan and Adam Troutman can step up in their stead and play extremely well? Yes. Does that mean that Michael Thomas is going to get any less targets and probably get a higher market share of this passing offense? absolutely. I think he's going to garner a ton of work on a weekly basis. And for everybody that wants to make the slant boy jokes, I get it. I understand it. They're fun. I've made them myself, (laughs) but he is a legit damn good NFL wide receiver. He deserves the moniker. He played extremely hurt last year. If you go back and they talk, all this news comes out after the NFL season, because NFL teams, they lie. They lie on the injury reports. They lie on what they tell you about practice reports. It just it is what it is, and it's not that the season's over with that we find out oh my gosh, like how hurt were these players and what were they gunning through? So Carlton Davis, I love and I, I want to see how much smack you're going to talk when healthy Michael Thomas lines up opposite you and he can actually move all the extremities. He's actually Actually healthy, And he punks you on a bunch of routes because you weren't good the entire year, sir. So I'm, I'm buying <laughs> back into the Saints offense. think they're going to be fine. I'm here for the target share. And really, like we talk about it, volume is king in fantasy. All of these options are going
2: to get it. Yeah I mean so for me I I the only reservations I have a little bit are is if with if you do have hill in there is that you I'm I'm anticipating this is right so that defenses are going to try to stack the box more so I, I maybe the rushing yards would come out might trend down a little bit, but I feel like if that's the case, then the way you just open them back up is you just involve him more in the passing game, which should, should in turn, you know, make up the difference for him and people calling Michael Thomas, the slant boy, like if that's what it is, then stop him because you still aren't stopping him, right? Like you can't, if that's all he's doing, then just stop him. Explain to me why you can't stop him then. Right. Because if he's the slant boy, then you know what he's doing. He's, He's running a slant. So stop him. So either way, the dude's proving right. That he's a stud. I, it, whether they know that's what he's going to do or not. When he was mm-hmm. chasing the record, you knew they were going to throw the ball to him every friggin' play to get the record and you still didn't stop him so I mean he's good he's good right so I have him in some dynasty stuff I'm not I'm not giving up on him last Ooh, year was brutal right last year was brutal I mean all the injury stuff was brutal to see one of your like top guys or if you drafted him in redraft right it was brutal to to have to go through and see what he went through last year but he's still a stud so it's nice for me to hear from a guy that really pays attention to the team to say I have confidence in what this offense is going to be I think part of that plays into who you have in the division as well right like I mm-hmm. Atlanta still can't play defense, I don't think, and they didn't do anything during the offseason to tell me that they can play defense. Carolina, I personally think, is trending up and is, is, yep, is heading agreed. in the right direction, right? Um, besides that, I want to kind of ask who do you think owns the division now moving forward? Do you, do you still anticipate it's your guys' division? I, th- I still think it's going to
1: come down to the Saints and, and the Buccaneers. Um, the Falcons, if they... If they do get rid of Julio, I think the Falcons could have had it. Their defense played better down the stretch. I thought that if they kept Julio, could this be a better team? And I'm not saying a playoff team, but could they scare some people? Sure. Carolina, I still think is about a year away. I, I'm really kind of curious how, what we're going to get out of Sam Darnold. I think their defense is improving. I don't think that it's there yet. I think that they need a few other parts of pieces whether it's you want to talk about pass rush or um, on the secondary for the back end and the cornerbacks. Um, I still think that, the, like, they addressed it with J.C. Horn, but they still need some other talent there because the rest of their cornerbacks are not absolutely amazing. Um, I think it's still going to come down to the Saints and the Buccaneers and really, um, it, look, Tampa's in full running back mode right now, right. and that can be a blessing or it can be a curse. You see these teams, and outside of what, the freaking Patriots – there's a reason these teams don't make it back to the big dance. So whether it's like injuries, inconsistencies, or your 40-something-year-old quarterback eventually falls off the cliff and the avocados don't keep him youthful into this season, it's possible. So I still think the division runs through either Tampa or New Orleans. Um, I think New Orleans is going to be able to still score points in bunches. I I think it really comes down to are the Saints able to – pull a rabbit out of their hat with the defense. Are they able to get a good enough defense on the field to win close games? Because
2: if that doesn't happen, then Tampa is going to take the division pretty easily. Yeah, I mean, I think we saw, it. and I I mean, obviously the Bills, they're bringing back 19 of 22, right? So obviously, yep. that's important. Absolutely, it's important. I believe in that 100% that having camaraderie on your team makes it so much easier to just move forward because you have to teach less, you have to learn less. There's just, it's so much well, easier What was really to important do.
1: for your Bills, too, because especially right. considering the offseason that we had last year, Adam and I were talking about on our podcast that like there was so much continuity in that roster, especially on the offensive line that you weren't going to have, like, if they did miss some time in training camp, can they make it up? And and is that as big of a concern with other teams where you see a lot of moving parts and pieces? And with COVID and everything, training camps and all that kind of offseason stuff was really radically changed. So it was a, it was a definite, like, feather in the cap for the Buffalo Bills because, I mean, look, everybody was coming back. Like, I mean, they they didn't switch up a lot of their roster. And, and again, that walks into this year as well. Now, I will say I hope for your bills, and I know we're kind of getting off tangent here. I hope that salary cap is not to freaking bring Zach Ertz in because that dude is washed as hell. I hope for your sake it's to address a cornerback position. That's kind of where I lean because I, I'm not a I'm not a massively by Wallace fan. Um yeah. I'm, and I'm just not man. The guy's got slow wheels. He can be burnt by speed receivers. If they were to sign like Breland, hell, even if they sign Brian Poole to come play the slot, yeah. I think it'd be a definite upgrade. Um, Poole would not be expensive. Breland might take a little bit more coin, but I, my biggest fear, I hope it's not to bring in Zach Hurts
2: yeah I know we, we we're gonna get into all that stuff too but I'm glad you brought that up because today immediately everybody was like oh we got money we got money it's for Ertz it's for Ertz or we're mm. gonna make the move we're gonna make the move for Julio or this that or whatever and I'm like all right for starters the Julio thing isn't happening no we brought, we brought no. in Emmanuel Sanders already that's the guy that was the yeah. guy we needed to bring in he fits the role that we need perfectly fine he's gonna be above average I actually think Emmanuel might have a phenomenal season this year I he's in a prime position he's back across from another dominant Wide receiver. If you go back and look at him in Denver with a good quarterback, another dominant receiver on the other side, he's more than capable of being good. And you don't have to franchise anything or give up picks to go get Julio Jones, right? Like, I get it. That's great. The they other don't one, to do that. Zach yeah. Ertz. He, I agree 100. percent He is not the guy. And oh. people keep saying that he he's great at catching the ball. He's like not that great out of it. I, I saw I saw some numbers today. Like out of 25 guys that have had like over 100 targets since 2019, he ranks like 24th in catch percent. I mean, it's like 59%. That's not even, he's not even a catch guy. And then you want $8 million. Yeah. Like I, I just can't see us doing that. I believe in Dawson Knox, just hanging around for another season. I I actually am a big fan of Hollister. I think he's going to have a sneaky, good role for us in the red zone. He might, we were throwing the ball to Lee Smith in the red, zone. (laughs) Lee Smith. I mean, <laughs> you can't tell me if I can line up Hollister as my blocking tight end and sneak him out that you're not going to hit that big body all day, especially when Josh Allen played college ball with him. Uh, well, I'm going to shout gonna, out Adam
1: here real fast. I think that I, I actually would like it. I think it would work really, really well for both teams if they went and made a trade for Evan Ingram. That's that's what Adam has been preaching and stuff like that. I think it would be a great fit in Dave Ball's offense, get him back a yards of the catch. But I'm with you. I mean, you don't need to be targeting Lee Smith. Now, you could target the goat Isaiah McKenzie all you want to in the red zone. Okay. We can do that. We can have that conversation. But no no Lee Smith. Please no Lee, yeah. Lee
2: Smith. Uh, he likes Evan Ingram. Huh? My guy this uh, my guy. This offseason I was hoping for when he was a little disgruntled was Njoku. I wanted Cleveland to move Ooh, I, wanted they, nice. I wanted him to move him. And I was like, that's our guy. That's where we should go. He's, <sighs> he's tall. He's athletic. He He's <sighs> disgruntled. We've seen to find a way to turn players, you know, typically like that under this new regime. So pretty cool. But So anyways, your Saints are going to be good. I agree with you. I think that Tampa Bay is still going to be probably the team. I mean, I, they, they didn't do enough that they're not going to be in the picture, as well as especially with more games now and then ex- expanding the playoffs. I still think the Saints are going to be in the mix for a minimum, a wild card, and going to be playing probably playoff football again. Because I, I don't know. How do you feel about this? I still think the AFC is considerably better than the nfc from top to bottom right now where do you oh stand?
1: yeah i don't disagree with that at all i think that the afc is i mean really you've got a lot of really really good teams in the afc yeah. um i i mean whether you want to talk i mean obviously you got the heavy hitters you got baltimore you got kansas city you got buffalo and stuff like that dude cleveland could be like a 14 win team this year i won't be surprised if they're in the freaking super bowl like mm-hmm. There's a lot of really really good AFC teams, and we're not even getting into like, okay, could the Chargers surprise people this year, um, and, or or the Patriots make a comeback into relevancy? Right. Like there are so many good AFC teams, like you could literally see like a wild card team be like an 11 win freaking team, like that. That's right. possible, man. Whereas the NFC, you're like, okay, um, who's just the not as terrible. As everybody else in the NFC East, Um, if Aaron Rodgers goes to the AFC, oh my lord! Like then you got Denver getting becoming possibly a powerhouse. That's that's kind of where I would think he would go if he does move on. But then it's like what what's coming out of the NFC North? Like okay, do the Bears take the North? And then we talked about the South. Yeah, I mean I think the AFC is is a juggernaut, man. Like there's like four to five teams you can make a a reasonable argument that they're super bowl contenders in the nfc um who's your king yeah. <laughs> like yeah. I, I, like unless you're like just okay it's tampa it's tampa like past yeah. that like who's your king who 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 is the team that you're just like oh yeah they could go up they could beat all of these five or six afc teams that i just rattled off and they could beat them handedly I don't know if there's anybody in the NFC unless you like, you're hoping Dallas outscores them, maybe Washington or Tampa past that. No, I, th- I think the AFC is, it's murderous row, man.
2: Yeah, I've, I've been pitching for a little while now. It's going to be incredible, especially because if, if you would have told somebody this 20 years ago, they would have just laughed straight in your face. But there's a potential for like an AFC championship to be the Battle of Lake Erie and Buffalo and Cleveland are battling it out to go to a Super Bowl, right? Like, I don't think that's completely out of the realm of possibility no. nowadays in football. Like, Cleveland is building a good football team down there. It will hinge on their quarterback and if they can learn how Ooh. to play a little better defense. But – I think they're in I the, think the
1: defense. I think yeah, hit the, the defense. The is not very good, right? I
2: think it still hinges on their defense. Do you think they're turning it this year? Oh,
1: I, yeah, yeah, I'm going to push back on that. I think their defense could be top five this year. I this think year? Their, def- their defense could be an elite unit. Like, they added Clowney to the run defense. They have Garrett Torres, the passer, And then you look at all the parts and pieces they added to the secondary – Denzel Ward has shown that he could be dominant in stretches. Greedy Williams, if he comes back healthy, but then they they drafted Greg Newsom, they drafted JOK, they signed Troy Hill, they signed they have Grant Delpit coming back from injury. They signed Johnson on the back end. The Browns could like legit be a top three to five defense in the NFL, and that could be what carries them to a Super Bowl. And I still think that people are sleeping on it. Their defense is scary on paper. Like, if it all comes back and it coalesces and all this talent gels, this defense is is going to be ridiculously nasty. Like, people
2: are not going to want to play them on a weekly basis. I mean, that's, that's all they've been missing to me is the cornerbacks. Like that's been their thing oh, yeah. because they got the pass rush, but when your cornerbacks can't even hold up for three seconds, your pass rush has a hard time getting there when every team is just saying, Hey, they can't get there within a couple seconds. Let's just do quick routes because they can't cover us either. So I, I do think that they are, this could be the year that they turn it around for sure. And I'm definitely scared of the offense and what the off, offense can do. I mean, I think that they are just in a great running team and then you've depending on what happens with OBJ and whatever I think they've got good tight ends they run the ball really well their offensive line is really good at, and <sighs> I so think good. they're just they're a good football team and then there's still the teams like the Colts might be in the mix again messing things yeah. up Miami's trying to trend you know up I'm not sold on to I don't know where you where you stand <laughs> on the <laughs> twoinator like okay but it, to me he's he, he's still got some work to prove that he's really yep. ready for it but he, they're putting a ton of pieces around him and they've set him up to have two first round picks for the next three season. So Mm -hmm. they're doing good things down there too. So I, it's, it's fun to chat though and have that. I like the AFC being competitive because it's, it's fun to win. Right. And it's cool to be the guy, but like, I it was a little not as great for me winning the division when the Patriots weren't as good, right? Or Tom Brady wasn't there. Yeah. There's still part of me that just wants it to be like, yeah, you want to win. You want you want the AFC to be so tough so when you win, they're not saying, "Well, yeah, because you came from this crappy division," right? Or, you know, whatever. So, that's important to me. Well,
1: iron know. sharpens iron. You know, right. I mean, basically whoever comes out of the AFC is going to be the Super Bowl favorite. Like that's that's what's going to happen. So, at least that's that's the way I look at it. So, Whichever team makes it out of that scrum and like decides like I'm beating everybody back, whoever <laughs> right. makes it through that is going to. I mean, they, they've got to be. I mean, come on. Unless like you're just going with like, okay, Tampa's going to win the win it because it's Tom Brady. I would say they'd probably be the betting favorite in the Super
2: Bowl. Yeah. So, where do you want to go next? Because we got lined up. We're going to chat some fantasy stuff, or we can move over to the Bills. We seguated the Bills a little bit already. You want to wander there first? What sure. Do you yeah, yeah. it's not bills. So, because because I want to I want to pick your brain a little bit on the bills because everybody likes to chat bills backfield because it's like I don't think anybody truly wants to touch it because everybody kind of feels like the RB one is Josh Allen, yep. right? So it's so what's your <laughs> thought on the running backs for the bills? If you if I told you right now like it's going to come down to you have you're going to have to take one of them. What what's going to be your choice and why would they be your choice? I like the face for those that aren't you aren't watching. He's basically saying you shouldn't touch the backfield. Mm-mm. Uh,
1: uh, 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 uh. I don't, I don't, uh, uh, I don't, I don't want either one of these running backs. (laughs) Um, Oh, I mean, both of these running backs profile as volume grinder backs and people don't believe that maybe Devin Singletary is that he's not an explosive back. He's not going to break off 60 yard runs. Both of these guys have short area agility. Um, Zach Moss, more of the tackle breaking ability, although it's kind of to his detriment. That's why he can't ever stay on an, on the field and be healthy. It, this goes all the way back to college. Um, I personally don't want either one of them. If I'm going to be pigeonholed into one of them, um, it'd be Devin Singletary because I think he's a better receiver out of the backfield. I think he, um, unlike Moss, can stay healthy for a full NFL season. I think he's a more dependable back, and especially in space, which um, – Going into the Bills, and I know we're we're probably gonna talk some wide receivers and stuff like that, I think they're gonna open this offense up even more this year, and I think that's why they brought Emmanuel Sanders into town and what they're gonna be able to do as far as formations
2: yeah to me i'm I'm a little bit on the opposite side of this i i agree i and i say i agree with your assessment of them, but that's what I've been saying. I like Zach Moss, but the piece he's missing is the pass catching. I feel like if he went into the off season and he learned how to catch the ball well out of the backfield that he would get more of the touches because he's better at blocking he's got more of the build to take the beating i think if you can do it to him, right. Um, But he doesn't catch the ball well out of the backfield. And neither one of them are speed. That's what we've been missing in the run game, right? Neither one of them are speed. I think Matt Breida was brought in to be, like, the speed guy, like, try to stretch it, you know, if it doesn't work out. But it it seems to be that that's the, the common theme right now amongst everybody that I chat with. Those are, like, I just don't want anybody in the Bills' backfield. No. I mean, the the backfield – look, put it this way. The guy that you want in the backfield
1: is Josh Allen. That's the only guy that you want in the backfield because he's going to get the touchdown equity. He's the guy that's going to get the goal line rushes. That's not going to change because he's a damn good goal line back. Like, he's good at that role that they have for him when they do get inside or they just run trick plays. And, again, that's based off of what Josh Allen does with his mobility. And so either one of these running backs – there would be a difference here, and I can tell you discernibly. Like, okay, I want that guy. If there was, if there was a back, like not Matt Breida because Matt Breida couldn't even win carries and win the Dolphins last year. Okay, right. But with both of these these running backs and the archetype that they they fit in, you are looking at volume backs. And if these guys are volume backs, then they need to get volume to be good for us in fantasy. They're not guys that are gonna break off long runs. They're not guys that are going to garner like have these explosive plays. And if they're not doing that and they're not getting volume and they have no red zone roles, then what are they gonna do? And people like and I've heard of people talking about Zach Moss out in the in Twitter space and fantasy and and there there's a lot of truthers out there about him. It's not that I dislike him as a player, it's just his role in this offense him and Devin Singletary do whatever they need out of this backfield and and accomplish what they want, which is be functional, catch the ball, and basically give us an element of a semblance of a run game. But, I mean, if they're not going to sit here and do all these different things, then why do we want them in fantasy? And even if Devin Singletary goes away, we've seen what this show looks like. It's literally like an RB, low end rb2 if if he scores a touchdown or he's a high end flex. Like we've seen what this backfield looks like with one running back. So people are like, well, if Devin Singletary goes away and Zach Moss gets all the work, then whoa, it's wheels up, baby. And I'm like, <laughs> what, what are you looking at? What which show have you been watching? I don't know what channel that you're watching, but where I look, I'm watching HD and I don't see that. Are you watching cable and you're just staring at the, the the fuzziness? I don't get it. Cause I don't see that. Like, even if it is one running back.
2: Yeah, it's it's funny cuz I I'm, I'm glad you brought this up a little bit ago that you you anticipate they're going to open it up, right? Because everybody all off season has just been clamoring about how they have to learn how to run, they have to get better at the run, they have to do better. No, it's like they don't. why? No, Why yeah, do right? we have to? I mean, when we came out and just threw the ball 50, 100 times on Seattle, it completely threw them off. They had no way <laughs> to stop us whatsoever, right? They couldn't – they were like, wait, what's going on? Why are they doing this? Don't change if you're good at something. And like I said, like you you brought it up. You know, Dave all's talked about that. Dave has talked about that. He's like,
1: we run if we want to run. If we're going to pass, we're going to pass. We're not going to, like, do something because we feel like we have to do it or we need to do it. It's basically – what are we successful at as an offense? If that's throwing sixty damn passes and running twice, then well shit, we're going to throw sixty passes. Or we're going to run twice. Doesn't matter. And that's right? what smart coaches do.
2: Well, yeah, when you're winning, yeah, that's the one thing with the NFL that bugs me is they always try to like match each other up in the NFL, or they let them come back in the second <laughs> half. It's like no, you're if you're doing something successfully, just do it, right? Like yes. who, who cares? Quit. Like what? What is it? They're going to tell you afterwards. Like you need to run better. Well, Well, Cole, you've got too much much old school mentality still circling around the NFL. You got
1: too much old school of like, okay, uh, square peg, meet round hole. Okay, (laughs) um, well, it doesn't fit. It's not working. Oh, my system. Like all the Adam Gase dumb bullshit, like where he's like, uh, oh, it's it's the system. It's 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 not me. It's um, they're just not performing up to expectations. It's like, no, you're an idiot. Like, yeah. good coaches accentuate and highlight the players. Like, Belichick, when you walk into New England, he doesn't say, I need you to do these 50 things that I want you to do. He says, okay, what are the three things that you do awesome, the five things you do awesome? I'm going to ask you to do those things, and we're yeah. going to highlight those things. That's what good coaches do. And you don't see that that's not prevalent. We cannot assume rational coaching or good that's coaching right. in the NFL. It's just not. It's true.
2: Yeah, no, I love, I love it because to me, g- guys like Gase that keep getting the job, like the Jason Garrett's <sighs> of the world Lord. and stuff. It's like, where is going like, like what, like especially what when like, and like Mike McCarthy got signed by Dallas. I'm like, one of the best franchises in the league. Just let this guy go for a reason, and you immediately ran up and said, "Yeah, come over here. We want you to be our coach." Like. It, it, Some of these guys are just not that great at it. Adam Gase, like he sucks in Miami, then you go out and you sign him, and he comes in, his eyes are rolling out of his head, and you're convinced that that's the guy that's going to lead your franchise. Now, for the Jets, granted, I do like their new GM, and I think he's got his head screwed on straight, and they're making good decisions moving forward. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, just a a train wreck. But speaking on the Bills, I like that everybody asked this, too, because everybody knows who the number one wide receiver is. He's a stud, right? I I mean, obviously, everybody could say, I want Stephon Diggs, right? That's my guy. Who yep. would I, I'm going to latch my horse to Stephon Diggs. I think everybody could say that. But if you don't have the shot at Stephon Diggs, who's the Buffalo wide receiver that Derek is going to snatch up?
1: It's Mr. Trojag Swag himself, baby. It's Gabriel Davis. I love yeah. Gabriel Davis. And the thing about Gabriel Davis, and I, I, I know we talked about this and you mentioned earlier that Manny could be the number two or that he's going to have a really successful year this year. I think Gabriel Davis can ascend and be the wide receiver two for Buffalo this year, considering what he showed in the in his rookie season for for the Bills, I mean, they trusted this man with multiple roles as a rookie, a rookie. Adam and I were talking about this in DFS pods, and we were talking about this in multiple, multiple weeks. The multitude of roles that Gabriel Davis played in the Buffalo Bills offense. When John Brown was out, he played outside. When Cole Beasley was hurt, he played in the slot. He was actually their deep target, too. He out-targeted Stephon Diggs as their deep target. Ball specialist in this offense. Now, you bring in Manny, and I think that Manny is going to allow them to do, to a higher extent, what they did last year. Buffalo was second in the NFL in four wide receiver sets behind only the Cardinals, and this year, I think they're going to run a ton, 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 ton of four wide receiver sets, because now... Last year, they weren't even able to do it. They were able second in the NFL, and then we're talking about, like I mentioned, Cole Beasley was hurt, and so was John Brown. So imagine, if you will, if they have a four-wide receiver set of Stephon Diggs, Gabriel Davis, Cole Beasley, and Emmanuel Sanders, and how often they are going to run this. The easy completions, the looks that it's going to create for Josh Allen, and the running lanes it's going to create for these running backs that we've discussed right now. All of these things are going to allow us to see a Buffalo Bills offense that I I honestly don't know if we've seen the best of them yet. I really, really don't. Because I think that if Dayball runs this offense where I think that he really, really wanted to last year, and Manny, and, and I don't think Manny's cooked. I think Manny's still a very serviceable wide receiver. Because if you go back and you look at metrics like, him versus man coverage even when he went to New Orleans, him versus press. He, You could still see on paper that he had his legs still underneath him, and nothing that he did last year proved to me otherwise. So I still think that he is plenty good enough at this spot of his career to be that guy and for this Buffalo Bills offense to unlock another level and i think gabriel davis could be the full-time starter i think he could be the wide receiver too and if he makes another jump based off of the, the amount of trust that buffalo showed in him as
2: a rookie wheels up
1: man i think he could crush this year
2: Yeah, Gabe Davis. I mean, the catches he made in the playoff game. I mean, he he basically single handedly like kind of won that game with those grabs. I mean, he was making them nonstop too, which was just incredible. And like you've you've touched on Emmanuel. I think like last season, I feel like he's still going to be good just because you guys used him on like sixty percent of the snaps last year. He's way underused compared to what he typically Mm -hmm. is used to being out on the field doing. So I think that's going to help. What you just mentioned about the four wide receiver sets to me is the other reason we don't need Zach Ertz because. When or was the tight end going to be on the field? Right. Like, if you could just put those four guys out there, mm-hmm. wouldn't you rather do that than yeah. running Dawson Knox out there, anyways? Like, why mm-hmm. wouldn't you rather have Gabriel Davis in there? Or even if you move Sanders inside too and you let Davis be outside and you move, you run Sanders. In, that's why I think Sanders the earth and Beasley stuff, inside.
1: The earth yeah, stuff I mean, is bad signal. I don't actually think any of that's going to happen. I feel like that's just been a recycled rumor that people just keep tossing out. they like, oh, is that Gertz to Buffalo? And I'm like, no. Zach Ertz is not going to Buffalo. Zach Ertz will not go to Buffalo. I, if we, again, if we think that this coaching staff and this front office is smart, which I think we've seen enough things out of them in multiple years to understand that they get it. They really get it. Like they made a trade for Stefan Diggs to revitalize their offense so we think that the, the front office that made the moves to get Cole Beasley to bring in Manny Sanders and to make a trade to get a wide receiver to revitalize their offense. They're smart enough to do all those things, but they're going to bring in a washed version of Zach Ertz. That, that's what they're going to do. That's really what we think they're going to do based off of all the other intelligent moves they've made and showed us. No, I'm not buying it, man. I think it's just bad
2: signal. Yeah. I mean, when I saw it and I was like 7 million extra, I go, okay, that's cool. That's 7 million more that we're going to have to pay to Josh Allen because we're looking at paying him 45 million a year here soon. Right. So every dollar counts at this point. I don't think we're necessarily going to spend it right away. Anyways, you might just sit on it. And if we get closer to the season, somebody gets hurt. That's a big role. You actually have to go out and spend some money to bring in a piece because you can't take that big of a hit then that's where you go. Uh, yeah. Whether that be the cornerback position or something like that, like you mentioned, I, I still feel that there might be some money there. They really do love Levi Wallace though. Uh, no, I, I'm, I'm not sold on it. And they're really high on Dane Jackson, who I'm, I'm willing to give a little more leg room to see if he could be the guy because, because, yeah, it'd be awesome if you could get an undrafted type of guy that ends up being your QB two for the your CB two for the next you know few mm-hmm. seasons at low dollar amount. You know that's that's incredible, and that's how you build great franchises. So, but well, cornerbacks it's really player.
1: about fit of scheme and stuff like that too. You see some players that are poor fits in certain schemes, and they keep getting trotted out there, and you see them go to different teams and schemes that fit them better, and they're like, oh wow, you know, like Buffalo plays a lot of zone, so. Can they get, a, like, a, basically a cornerback or somebody that can rotate and can be a serviceable piece, and whether that's splitting snaps, whether that's certain packages, what they do with that. And, yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you. That, that's the other thing about this. Like, everybody who talks about, like, okay, well, they just freed up $7 million in cap space, $10 million in cap space. Oh, my God, who are they going to sign? It's like <laughs> they don't have to sign anybody. Like, right. they, it's, this is not like – you hand your kids allowance money, and it's like, oh, my God, i got to go spend the $5. Like, that's not the case. Like, the team is like, okay, do we have a need we need to fill? Is there a player that's available that will fill that need for us? Okay, then fine. We'll go after said player. If not, we're not going to, like, we, we could sit on the money. That's fine. We don't, <laughs> we don't have to sit here and spend it immediately as soon as we get it. They can make trades later in the season. They can sit and sign veterans off off the street because there are still some good veterans that are out there that can fill a need, whether you're talking about offensive line defense, things like that, or specialty players. So, no, I agree with you. Just because they get the salary cap doesn't mean they're like, okay, how fast can we pull out the checkbook? Like, that's not going to be the case.
2: Well, and to me, this was this was the contract on the roster that you were going to probably do this with. Anyways, Diggs Mm -hmm. had the most favorable contract for you to move money. And in two years, when you're paying him 17 million dollars a year to be a wide receiver, his production should still be there. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's okay to move that money back and you can feel good about it. You're paying him up front. You're showing him that you love him even more. And you're willing to move money back and pay him more money when he gets older. Yeah. Mean, caps it's, a it, you can work your way around it. Right. So yeah. I think to me, it's all just step showing that you're keeping your guys together. You're telling your franchise quarterback or soon to be franchise quarterback that you're keeping his guys around and you're just being smart about what you're doing. I mean, I, I don't think it's, it needs to be the big splash that everybody wants it to be. Right. But mm-hmm. and, and you've kind of already touched on some of this stuff. I, I think overall, in general, you think the Bills are going to be competing for the division again with a oh, p- yeah. potential possibility to be a. A Super Bowl team again this year.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, they're just going to run it back. I think, and again, I think this offense can reach even greater heights this year, um, considering if they're able to get health and they're able to do some more things that I think Dave ball in this offense they want to do with it and run more four wide receiver sets. I think we could see another level to this team. So, I think really the ultimate ceiling for this team, I mean, yeah, they they could easily be a 12-14 to win team. You're talking about Super Bowl contender easily, easily, easily. Like, I'm not going to be surprised if they handily take the AFC East. I'm not going to be surprised if I'm sitting here, okay, let me see. How many bills am I going to play in my showdown DFS lineup (laughs) for the Super Bowl? I will not be surprised by any of that.
2: Yeah, it's it's definitely as a New Orleans Saints fan, you're used to having this kind of excitement every year where, you know, you're going to be in the mix and you're going to have your chance. I mean, everybody that's in the Bills Mafia, it's like it's Super Bowl or bust. Right. I I'm on board with that. Like I I, want to win a Super Bowl. But to me, it's it's division or bust, because as long as you win that division, you get a chance to play for the crown. Right. You can't be necessarily the king unless you get in right so the easiest way in is just win your division so i feel real Sports good about like that just like
1: fantasy too you want to right. sit here like my thing that if you really want your team to sit here and go far in the playoffs too you want them to get the bye try to get the bye one less win one less yep. team you got to take down to sit here and get to the big dance that's and right. that's really what you want it's like okay we got to take the division
2: but we really really want that first round bye that's right. And especially now that the first round buy is only going to one team. Yeah, right. It's exactly. super important, right? You know, it's super important to get there now, especially. So we're getting close to an hour. Uh, we were going to hit up a, a little, a little fantasy stuff. Do you want to do, do the fantasy stuff? It. Okay. You got, so, I mean, as long as, I mean, look, we can talk ball. We can, I mean, as long as you
1: need me, you got me. All right,
2: Let's talk. All right man. I, I know you're a busy man, so I don't, don't want to be eating up all your time and everything. No, you're so good. I just like to get everybody's kind of, as I'm delving more into the fantasy stuff, we talked about some of the best ball stuff offline. I found out I'm terrible at it. <laughs> So I'm learning things, right? So I'm learning things as I go. So one of the things I wanted to get from you is just kind of like, what is your best ball strategy? Like how to? for one, let me just say for starters, it helps a hundred percent if you know the scoring system and how many people you actually are going to be rostering and things of that nature. So I'll start there. But besides that, what is your best ball strategy? (laughs) Oh, man. So, I mean, to really wrap it up in a
1: nutshell, uh, for me, best ball, it, it, the highlights of it is I think that, yes, we everybody talks about stacking. You need to be stacking. And I think that what you're doing in the in the early rounds of all your best ball drafts are going to dictate what you're going to do in the middle and later rounds. So the wide receivers that you're taking in the early parts of rounds are going to dictate the quarterbacks you possibly go for, as well as. Okay, the running backs that I'm taking, okay, the running back that I took in the first round, if I'm going to go running back, running back, well, the running back I take in the second round, you don't want them to have the same bye week. So really, a lot of the backbone of your team, and yes, I know it sounds like common sense and what have you, but... It's all built front forward, and then it's basically creating that roadmap of you're trying to, okay, if I'm going to stack, which I believe that you should, and then, yes, you should do that. That's a winning strategy. Win rates have shown that in best ball, that you need to be stacking, especially if you're playing these large field tournaments. What you're doing in those early rounds, you're setting up your stacks, and you're setting up the backbone for your team and the moves you're going to make in the later rounds. You know, so obviously... How you construct and you layer all of that is really, really important because if you're going for, you're trying to garner certain offenses, okay, well, am I going to take these wide receivers? Well, if I take these wide receivers, the quarterback I want is going in the third or fourth round. I'm not going to be able to get that quarterback. Okay, well, what quarterback am I going to go for there? And the other wide receivers and parts and pieces that you're drafting on your team, you've really got to like not only build from the front backwards, But you're also looking at, okay, if I'm if I'm investing in this offense, what is the other offense that I'm investing in in tandem? So both of these like I can get both quarterbacks, invest in both offenses, and I'm not shooting myself in the foot while the entire time you're worried about bye weeks. So really, it's just a balancing act. And every draft is different. You're constantly pivoting and. Throughout the draft, you're like, okay, well, if this happens, if this guy goes, and you need to have, like, a tier of players. And so it's – because the last thing you want to do, especially in these fast drafts, like 30 seconds on the clock, you don't want to freeze up, freak out, and be like, ah, I got auto-drafted, <laughs> and now my team is burnt. Great, yay, whoa, whoa, lovely. I just burnt $5. That team's right. not winning anything. You don't want that to happen, so you want to use your queue and kind of, like, get yourself a, a shelf of players and say, okay – when, the, when, okay, I'm up in 15 picks. Okay, I'm going to scroll down. So, in 15 picks, this is the range that I'm looking at for players. Okay, here's three different players. If one of them falls to me, okay, here's the quarterback late. So, it's, it's a constant chess piece match that you're playing with yourself the entire time you're drafting, and no two drafts are the same. And a lot of it depends on where you're drafting in said draft. Like, if you're drafting the front, the back. I know I've rolled through a lot of things, I got a lot of caffeine rolling in my system right now. But, Really, I love best ball. I still think it's a really good format that's still underutilized. There's still a lot of edge in it. And it's just fun, man. Like, you can go through a lot of different drafts, get really invested into this, and there's a lot of different ways to attack the format. So I I love best ball. I dove really, really deep into it last year. That was my first year. Um as far as my ROI and how much I invested in best ball. And I'm even deeper into it this year. Like I've been doing best ball drafts since before the NFL draft. I've been grinding those since they went live, like way back in February. So um, there's a lot of equity that you can gain in doing that and getting into the market early. Cause those ADPs, you will never see them again. If you get, <laughs> if you get into the rookies and you know who the rookies are before everybody else knows who the rookies are, then you're like, oh, I got that running back in the 12th
2: round and everybody's now drafting him in the sixth (laughs) i'm out i don't have to worry about that yeah the 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 best ball thing is cool i just started getting into him really this year and i think when you laugh a little bit at the bye week thing but and i think most people are like well everybody knows to do that right well the difference with best ball is there are folks out there that make that mistake in a draft where they go crap i just drafted two wide receivers with the same bye week oh that's all right i'll just hit the waiver wire well there is no waiver wire yeah this is you've drafted this team And it's over like this is what you're rolling with. Mm -hmm. And this is your best eight players every week. Right. You don't do any. So when a lot of people are like, wait, how many are you doing so many leagues? It's like, well, you're not doing that many leagues. You did that many drafts. Right. A best ball is you sit down and you do the draft. You put in the time there and then you're done. You just get to sit and wait and see if you happen to be that good at it. Right. That you you were the one that did it right the first time. So best ball is super cool. It's exciting. I I learned as I didn't know how I was supposed to do it because I didn't pay attention to the scoring for starters. I immediately panicked when I saw quarterbacks getting drafted and it had this thought like, Oh, there's only 32 quarterbacks and there's 16 teams. Everybody's going to want two quarterbacks. Right? So I immediately struck ground into that way. And then I put this strategy together to then later find out that you don't even actually have to play a quarterback at all. So me going and chasing crap quarterbacks early on to try to fill this need was not the way to go. So learning from guys like Derek is what you should be doing. So if you're not following him and those types of things, before you get into this stuff, at least read some things and a hundred percent, make sure you read the scoring rules and how many people you have to roster because it's a lot of fun besides that. Especially if you do like the slow draft where you get to kind of like think about what you want to do, mm-hmm. right? You, you, you don't have to make a pick immediately. You get to kind of think about what you want to do. And it's, it's cool. You're like, you're building something that's like a long term thing. I don't know. I enjoyed it as I've been getting into it.
1: I love it. And the other thing about it is, like, if you're really going to, even if you're just doing like $3 drafts, $5 drafts, what have you, and stuff like that, say so you're like, okay, I put $100 into my account. I'm going to do like $25 drafts and poof them out. And, you know, whatever happens, happens. You really got to look at this like as and we talk about like there's a lot of fantasy like that's talked about it as like a stock market. But you need to look at this as a portfolio because the fact of it is is if if you're going to draft the same exact players in every single best ball draft that you do, why do 20 of them? What's the point of that? Don't do 20. Do three. Do one because it doesn't matter because you're either going to win or you're going to lose everything and you need to get exposure to so you don't go into like 20 best ball drafts and say okay i'm at the 110 i'm at the 109 i'm at the 111 i'm gonna draft the same guy same guy every single time because i know he's gonna smash but if you're wrong you hedge yourself out and you get exposure to different players and different stuff and and you do play some of that adp game but my whole like my, my point here is is that you need to sit here and get exposures to different players instead of locking yourself in and saying, okay, I like this guy. I'm going to draft him every single time. You can get a lot of exposure to him in best ball, but going 100% on any player, don't do that. Don't do that at all.
2: That's a bad, bad, bad. Take it from the pro, right? Don't listen to me. Take it from take it from the guy that knows how to actually do this stuff. So obviously with best ball, you're drafting guys in a different location than you might do if you're saying like, so let's redraft, right? Are you a big redraft guy? You oh yeah. A lot of redraft leagues. Oh yeah. That's where I cut my teeth at. Um,
1: when I first got into the industry, I was all redraft. I slowly uh, built myself out into dynasty, DFS and best ball and things like that. But now I, I started trying and true. It was all PPR redraft when I first started in the industry.
2: So let me ask you this, uh, just who's your number one overall? If you've got a t- you've 1-1 one, one in a redraft right now, who's who's Derek going to go for just half PPR type of league? Just, just a normal kind of format type of deal. Who's your guy? So,
1: so first pick overall? Um, yeah.
2: I, I mean, it, it's
1: got to be running back for me, and it's either between one or two players. For me, it's either going to be CMC or it's going to be Dalvin. Um, I think you can actually craft a really, really good argument to have Dalvin Cook as the number one running back this year. Um, He's not currently my number one running back, but I'm getting closer. I'm getting closer to that. I think this Vikings defense is going to be much, much, much improved from last year. So it's one of those two players. Um, If I'm sitting somewhere inside the top five picks, it's probably going to be running back.
2: You still are you a heavy? I've always kind of been heavy. Like I, I, I feel like running back running back has kind of always been my like tried and true that I've always had a hard time getting away from cuz I just believe that running backs get hurt all the time and if you can't get the studs up top it's it's weird I don't know is that am I way off on that No you're not way off on that I mean I, for me it there's a lot of uh, different things
1: to parse through that um So where ADP values are and and drafts right now, currently, so like whether you wanted to say, okay, redraft season is right now. Like if we were going to be doing a redraft league, and ADPs were what we're seeing right now, I would say that if you're drafting in the middle middle of a round, heck, even the later parts of a round. I would say that I would go running back, running back, because the wide receiver values in rounds three to five are fantastic. And the fall off for running backs is real. And if you're drafting at the beginning of the first round or so, it sticks you in a little bit of different tier. Like I, I would go running back there, but then by the time it comes back to you in the second round, the tier of players that are there depends on who's there. I, like, I can make, uh, and, and again, it depends on the size of the league, like 10 team versus 12 team. Um, there are a lot of good reasons in, because in 10-team leagues, it's all all-star lineups. It's really all-star lineups. It's, it's does my set of studs outweigh your set of studs? And for me in 10-team leagues, my my draft strategy is absolutely different. Like, I want to try to get the elite of the elite at positions. So I might go, if I'm drafting in the top five or what have you, If I think a guy can finish in the top five running backs, I'm going to take the running back. Am I going to pay up for tight end? Yes. In 10-team leagues, I'm going to pay up for a top-flight, top-three tight end. So I will be drafting Travis Kelsey. I will be drafting Darren Waller. Those are the two guys I would attack. And somebody that I think can go in his range of outcomes to finish inside the top three of wide receivers. Because, again, there's so much depth in those leagues versus 12-team leagues You can make trades throughout the year, and you really, you want your all-star lineup to be better than every other all-star lineup. So how do you do that? You consolidate, you try to go for the elites of positions or guys that have it in the range of outcomes to be the elites, instead of saying, well, in the best case scenario, he could be a running back 12. (laughs) I I don't care about that. I want to shoot for ceiling. I want to go for a lead and I want to consolidate my roster because if everybody stays healthy and I'm right and those guys are elite, then I'm just
2: crushing everybody on a weekly basis because you have depth and it's 10 teams right yeah I mean it definitely makes a difference obviously in how many like when you are doing an eight man league it's like your waiver wire is full of starters oh yeah compared to you're doing a 16 team league you're like picking guys that may never even see the field if you're not paying attention to what you're doing right I mean so it's obviously pretty wild if you were a best ball one one right now who you taking
1: um it, again it's it's running back I mean it's yeah. it, it, it's gonna be either CMC or Dalvin and and honestly I would just alternate the two of them if I'm getting multiple 101 picks um, I would take one of those two if I'm getting if I'm getting really really frisky about like okay what are the outlier outcomes of you know somebody because I do think there are a few running backs that could finish as the RB one this year. Um, would I take them at the one oh one? No. But would I reach for them considering? Possibly. But I think the 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 conversation begins and ends with CMC and Dalvin. I think that's really they're kind of in their own tier based off of usage, based off their teams. Um I don't think that Chuba Hubbard means that CMC is going to get less usage. Chuba Hubbard's not that good. So I don't I'm not worried about him stealing work for Christian McCaffrey this year. Yeah, is JT one of those running backs that you think love, might be the guy? Love yeah. JT absolutely love him. Um, I I am willing to take him uh, aggressively. I'll draft him inside the top five picks. I don't care. I know people talk about Naheem Hines. Um, People need to go take a closer look at it because down the stretch of the season, Jonathan Taylor, uh, I think it was either from week 12 or week 13 to the end of the season, including the playoffs. Jonathan Taylor ran more routes than Naheem Hines. Um, He ran more routes per drop back than Naheem Hines. The only reason Naheem Hines was still involved in the offense was they switched up his usage. Uh, They moved him more into the slot and as an outside wide receiver. And this year for the Colts offense, I mean, look, if Paris Campbell's healthy, Michael Pittman's healthy, T.Y. Hilton's healthy, if they're not able to move Naheem Hines into the slot or out wide, we could see Jonathan Taylor getting a lot more targets because Naheem Hines might not be on the field. So I have no qualms, no problems with taking Jonathan Taylor inside the top five. I think he legit does have RB1 overall upside this year
2: yeah i think he i i have him in a couple of things that you know dynasty things i he, <laughs> You always kind of wonder with the running backs if they're truly going to pan out to what you think they're going to be, right? And he's he, oh, yeah. to me, he's he's going to be that guy, and he's going to do it for consecutive seasons where he's just always going to be at the top as long as he stays healthy. He's behind a great offensive line. Uh, Carson Wentz is Carson Wentz. I mean, I don't, I don't I think it's actually Taylor. a little bit of an upgrade from Philip last year, actually, just in the mobility aspect. Um, but I, I think JT is going to have a great year still. He, Jonathan Taylor
1: is Nick Chubb, but with more pass game usage. That's the way people need to view him because he's legit that good. And the Colts are going to use him in the past game more than the Browns use Nick Chubb.
2: And I love Chubb too. He's a stud. Oh,
1: he's awesome. He's absolutely yeah. awesome.
2: All right. So let's segue into the, se- the segment of the show that I, I like doing a little bit, because it takes us a little bit off of the football stuff. And I just kind of like getting into guys' brains a little bit, you know, the guys who think about all of these things and do sports and numbers and all that kind of fun stuff. So we're going to head into the nerding out session, even though we basically nerd out the entire show or whatever, talking numbers and everything. But so first things up, I just want to know, is there like a book uh, that's a favorite sports book, author, you know, an article, anything along those lines that Derek Brown would recommend somebody reads? Uh,
1: So I'm not the biggest book connoisseur now that what I have read, I've I've gone back and um, I actually was a really like growing up. I played baseball through and through. I read a lot of stuff, um, but when I first got into doing more statistical stuff, but even when I was. I mean, I played baseball going growing up all the way through high school, a little bit of college. Um, I read some of the works by, by Bill James. Um, I would, if anybody wants to deep dive into <laughs> analytics, um, some of those are very, very good. And honestly, like everybody's probably read it in the space. Um, I, I, I'll say it, and it's the chalk answer. I read Matthew Barry's book way back in the day. I thought it was interesting as hell because just to hear his life story, the time behind, like before he got into this industry and somebody that... Uh, a lot of people get into the industry and, and people that are doing it full time and stuff and then the thing that you hear thrown around is is oh i would I never thought I would possibly ever be able to do that and whenever um I got into doing this that that that's legit all I hoped for all I thought about and, uh, days on end. So reading that book was really inspirational. Um, I'd say that those are the two low-hanging fruits because if anybody's watching video, all these books behind me, (laughs) these are my wife's. These are not mine. I don't read a ton of books because usually I'm diving into spreadsheets and numbers and stuff like that, but these are not mine.
2: I'm false. I'm fake in that aspect. But you are essentially an author, though. Oh, that's true. We, we, we can let you <laughs> shout that out in a second, right? You are an author, though. So this you might not true. read a lot of books, but you are an author. So we'll touch on that. But before we hit on that, um, why do you love the game, man? Derek, what, what, what is it about football that just like you're like, this is what I got to do? I, I So
1: even from when I was little, like when I was playing baseball, I've always been enamored with stats. I, I used to take my baseball cards and I would – Pick out random no-name players, and I would make lineups. I would project them. I would keep my own baseball stats when I was growing up. Like I still have um, notebooks floating around uh, my parents' home um, that they have put up where I kept like little league baseball stats. I would keep my own ERA and stuff, like like sicko kind of like random stuff like that. (laughs) So really. I love the game inside a game with all of this. I love trying to figure out like what an NFL team. And so I know my job and a lot of people come to me for fantasy advice and stuff like that. But honestly, there's a lot of writing that I even do nowadays for FTN that goes into just like more NFL stuff and really understanding schemes and concepts and matchups and understanding how these NFL teams are going to attack each other on a weekly basis like okay who's the who's the weak link that they are possibly going to pick on and what does that look like and stuff so for me it's just a puzzle it's another puzzle on a weekly basis that's another reason why i love dfs so much because there's so many moving parts and try it's 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 stimulating to me to sit here and try to figure out that puzzle and when you solve it and you get it
2: right then i mean it's it's awesome it's fireworks. Yeah, dude, it's a it's a lot of fun diving into it, and it's a I really enjoy hearing everybody's personal story kind of behind it, right, what, what drew them into it. Because for me, it's the same thing. I mean, it's just one of those things where it's a challenge. I mean, it's like yep. it's one of those things where you, you can be the winner of it, right? So why wouldn't you be the winner of it if you can be the winner of it? So then you immediately get competitive about wanting to be the guy, right? So you dive in, and it just turns into just it's fun. I don't know. It's an absolute blast. All right, next one up which uh, you've got your own podcast, so you can say your own if you like. But what is, uh, what is a podcast that Derek listens to if you're just kind of chilling around or if you're going to put on a podcast? What do you listen to?
1: Um, I don't listen to as many podcasts as I, as I do or, well, I used to getting into the space um, because you start talking football and stuff like that, you don't want to recycle takes. You don't want to hear the things out there. So I'll, I'll listen to um, – It just kind of depends. I listen to a lot of different things about music. Um, I will tune into um, some fantasy podcasts if I'm out there doing yard work and stuff like that. Um, I got to give a shout out to one of the guys that that got help get me even a start in this industry. I'll still listen to Roto Underworld. I'll listen to Matt Kelly because, one, I love the guy. Um, He legit gave me one of my first starts in this industry. Um, Two, I just a lot of times I just listening for entertainment factor. I, I want to hear people talk. I want to hear um, e- energy in the podcast. It is, there is nothing worse than listening to audio for somebody that gets on and it's, Hi, so welcome to my <laughs> fantasy football hour today. We're going to talk about sleepers and busts and all the players you need to be drafting on your teams. I'm going to turn it off in 2 seconds. I it, literally I I do not care it's nails across the chalkboard. Um cannot listen to stuff like that. So, a lot of it's really entertainment factor and I'll 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 jump between a few different things. Um I mean, whether it's um some other th- like uh, just hobby stuff. I mean, really, like I, I don't delve into as many podcasts as I used to. So um, it's really kind of a mishmash nowadays.
2: So basically, I think you said the fade the chalk, uh, <laughs> <laughs> right? So, so, anyways, that's a good podcast you can listen to too. But anyways, so moving into to the next one, I just is there one play that Derek just thinks back to, or like a flag that was thrown, or just like a player in a season that just sticks with you? Or you're just like. God, that was the worst, man. Uh,
1: so you talked about um, earlier just um, fandom of your team, and for me, the two to, the two ways that the Saints' season—not this last year in the playoffs, but the two previous years—was gut wrenching. It was absolutely. Gut-wrenching as a Saints fan to watch. Stefan Diggs rolling down the field and scoring a game-winning touchdown was an absolute knife in the heart, as well as watching the pass interference penalty. Now I know the the and I I know I get it. I get it. The Saints did a lot of other things in that game to screw up and blah, 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 blah. That one play was absolutely egregious. Nobody consider and say that it wasn't. It wasn't trash. It was just bad. So those two plays will always stick in my side as always being the biggest deterrence to, especially the, the, the Minnesota miracle, um, with Stefan Diggs and that, like. I just wanted to see Breeze and Peyton get another ring. Um the one time that it happened, it was so magical. It was amazing to see. And really they just totally kicked all of yesteryear's, like all the aints and the paper bags and stuff to the curb. They knocked it off. And I wanted to see um a player that I love for so long go out with another ring on his hand. Uh, that's all I wanted to see. And it just didn't happen. I mean, that's just how to, it goes, it, you know? I mean, so those two plays will always
2: kind of haunt me. Yeah. I mean, those are big, those are big plays too, especially cause you're talking about those changed. What's considered a good franchise could be, considered a great franchise if they had two more Super Bowl rings attached to it, right? Like Sean Payton then is, I think, if they'd have gone on and won that
1: and then Drew Brees is walking off into the sunset with three Super Bowl rings. And then what are we talking about? You know what I mean? Like, is he on the outside looking in? And I know Brady is the goat, blah, blah, blah. Don't come at me, Patriot fans. (laughs) But is he on the outside looking in, like at least standing in the parking lot? Of the greatest of all time conversation, considering counting stats, he has three rings, and I know that's that's three versus, you know, Brady's probably needs to grow another hand or something like that for all of his <laughs> rings nowadays, but it, at least, you know, is the conversation different, like where you're like, okay, Drew Brees is in the top five of best quarterbacks of all time. Whereas now he's got one ring, he'll he'll be like, you know, in that Peyton Manning tier of okay, he was amazing, he was awesome, he's in the top fifteen, he's in the top twenty, but not the top five. So I think it just it
2: alters that type of conversation that you're having, you know? Absolutely. I agree with that. I mean, and, and that's the way that it is with the quarterback position realistically, right? Cause it is so hard to win a super bowl. So if you do get yourself into that situation where you've got two, three rings, you, you are separating yourself immediately mm-hmm. by, you know, putting yourself in a different tier. So it was a little disappointing because I like Drew too, and I and I, the way he went out this last season, I always hate when guys try to play too long and it doesn't end up good for them in the end. And that, I don't really feel like that necessarily happened for him, but all the injuries and stuff was not the coolest way for Drew Brees to go out. And then like the last pass of the season to be like an interception or what? Those were just like not cool things for such a guy that had put on you know such a good career so far, but. We've been chatting for well over the amount of time I told you that I would keep you here chatting. So thank you very much for that. But before we're getting ready to close out, uh, anything you want to shout out? I kind of mentioned a little thing you got going on, but is there anything else that you want to shout out before we close out? I, I mean, so before I, I, I you know, discuss all the content, all the
1: things, all the stuff, the Twitter handle, blah, 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 all the things I'm supposed to talk about at this juncture of the show, I want to I go all the way back. I want to harken back please hit me up if you want to sit here and do anything for St. Baldrick's. Please donate money to this cause. Please help children fighting this horrible, these terrible diseases. Please help be part of the cure for cancer and pediatrics. Um, If you take nothing else away, football talk, what have you, take nothing else away from this podcast, please consider this. Um, So now moving on. um, Yes, you can follow me all on Twitter at (laughs) debro underscore FFB blah, 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 blah. But um, to be honest, like, yes, you can find all of my content spread across FTN, Fade the Chalk uh, with my co-host Adam Pfeiffer, who is a ravenous Bills fan, Uh, going four to five times per week. We got Mike Wright stopping by. We're going to do a mock draft this week. Got a bunch of other awesome guests lined up in the weeks to come. Um, And I've got tons of content coming through the site right now. I mean, shoot, me and Brad have our Booms, Bust, Breakouts, and bet series that we have going. We are going through all 32 teams, and I think we're 10 teams? No, 9. 10. 10. Yeah, 10 drops tomorrow. Um, our way through, um, so you can go read all of those for free. Get yourself in the door, and if you like what you see, get signed up. I promise you, like, you go in the door, and you're like, whoa, ee, ooh, eh, look at these prices. This is a ton of content and bang for your buck. We also have our discord. Once you get signed up with FTN, you're in our discord. You are literally asking all of these experts, everybody, you have my ear. Twenty four seven and yes, twenty four seven because on Saturday nights at two a.m. I am in the FTN DFS Discord. I am talking plays. I am talking start sits. I am talking all these different things. So whether it's Dynasty, whether it's betting, whether it's DFS, whether it's redraft, all of those things, an FTN
2: sub is awesome because we got you covered, man. I love it. And <laughs> he didn't even mention anything about that author, and he is part of it. He is part <laughs> of it. Okay, 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 okay. Okay, you got the black book I, out. Yes, I, I, yes, yes.
1: Uh, so Joe as <laughs> <yeah. laughs> I loved, and I went on the Fantasy Pro Show though no, two weeks ago. I love to give Joe all different types of hell. Love all the work that I've been able to do for the Fantasy Black Book. It is awesome, awesome content. Fantastic team. Chris Meany from FTN, along with my buddy Nate, Joe P. Sapia. Uh, there is a Mike Florio from NFL Network. There is a glorious amount of people that contribute to this book on a yearly basis. My tiny little contribution is just tight ends and defense. So if you want to talk about tight ends and defense, then come read my parts or pieces. I love to give Joe all kinds of crap because he gives me these positions. But to be honest, I, I, I'm going to help you win fantasy leagues, man, because the tight end position is ugly and as nasty and as horrible as that everybody doesn't want to draft him. It can provide you an edge, especially if you hit on a lot of the late round guys I discussed there, as well as defenses. Fantasy defenses might not be sexy,
2: but they hit you for 20 points. They're winning you a week. That's right. And they're also killing you in the week that you didn't play them and they're yep. sitting there on your bench. Right. <laughs> so it's uh, it's one of those things. So obviously, FTN's got a ton of stuff. I mean, you're hanging out with Brad Evans. These guys have been in the space for a long time. Right. There's great knowledge over there. Uh, I've had Steph Smalls on. She's part of the team over there now, too. You know, she's a firecracker. She'll love her off. She's awesome. You know? So there's a great team over there. Uh, thanks so much for coming on, Derek. You know, mentioning St. Baldrick's, it, you know, it's a great cause. A hundred percent. All this stuff's going to be in the show notes, every way to connect with Derek, all that kind of stuff. You guys will be able to get all that kind of stuff uh, right there. One click away. You know, thanks again for listening in, everybody. Absolutely appreciate it. Wouldn't be a show if there wasn't anybody listening. Uh, everything I'm doing is over at Nerd.com. And love you guys. Make sure everybody's uh, being safe out there. Mask up. You know, let's make sure we got an NFL season before uh, we can. So, all right, guys, see ya.
0: review
1: and subscribe so you never miss another episode we'll see you
0: next time Leg up. you know how to book flights and hotels all you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive that's why you need Viator book guided tours activities excursions and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable